My name is Christian Corley, and with me this week is James Froude. James, how are you doing? Very good, thanks, Christian. It's been a, a long weekend of uh, sporting stuff here in the UK, so I think neither of us are feeling particularly uh, down this morning. I think we're both all right, aren't we, after England yeah. played in the World Cup? Yeah, well, it was the European Championship. Uh, England played in the final. Oh, I just said the World Cup. I you mean, did. how amateurish can you sound? <laughs> <laughs> And um, I, um, I mean, I'm I'm a little older than you, so I've got uh, a bit more experience of the disappointment of penalty shootout. So as soon as uh, 120 minutes came round, well, after about um, five minutes before that, about 115 minutes, I uh, went and ran a bath uh, in public <laughs> for avoiding the penalty shootout because that's no, uh, I, I, I've had enough of those, frankly. But I think we're both feeling all right this morning, aren't we? Yeah, so, but, like neither of us are feeling um, hungover, I suppose. No. Well, my children went to school at eight thirty. Usually, there's you know, legions of children all walking to school. They were the only ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't know what that's. Yeah, I went for. Yeah, I went for a walk this morning. It was very quiet <laughs> out as well. Very eerie. <laughs> we um, now usually I'm, I'm going to share James with um with with our listeners what happened before we started recording this morning. Um, so basically, we use um, or um, I use and edit uh, the release podcast on a piece of software called Audacity, which uh, is open source software, and it's a you know it's a digital audio workstation. You can do all sorts with it, from recording podcasts to recording music to producing uh, you know audio dramas and soundscapes and all sorts of amazing things. And for some reason, it isn't liking my podcasting desk which usually lets me do i'm not sure if this is going to work or not um usually lets me do things like this um did you hear that i did yeah it worked yes, good. okay so that works that's good um so you know under the circumstances um <laughs> now before we started the podcast um audacity was not listening to my podcast desk which was very odd because we're kind of talking loosely about audacity and the changes that the new owners have introduced recently with regards to telemetry telemetry is a kind of collection of measurements and other data um, from your device whether it's your computer or your mobile device and that information is then used in certain ways now sometimes it's most i say sometimes as far as we're aware, it's mostly used for improving software and how software is used and seeing how users use the software and making a more tailored uh, experience for them. That'd be right in that, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's um, it's less about tracking, but more for software developers to see which button you've pressed on. If they change the menu around, do people get confused? Do they go looking somewhere else for it? Or do they not use a particular button that you've placed in the toolbar? Would it be better off somewhere else? It's those that kind of decisions that are meant to be aided by the data they're capturing. Yeah. Now, since Audacity, uh, which was an open source project, um, so it was free, it was open source. You could check the source code if you wanted to, not like uh, proprietary software, for instance, the most um, uh, Adobe Audition would be the key example of a professional level alternative to Audacity. Uh, you can't check the source code for that. And you can't, it's not easy to create software for it or projects based on it. Um, Audacity, open source, you can do all of those things. You could 
for instance, and we'll probably come on to this, you could even fork the project to create your own version of Audacity, which uh, moves in a different direction with different aims. Uh, recently, uh, Audacity was acquired by the Muse Group. That was in April 2021, and it's changed its policies more than once, really, um, regarding telemetry. Um, this isn't the first time this kind of thing has happened. There was uh, similar issues with um, the, the Linux software, again, open source. Uh, the Linux operating system Ubuntu had some uh, telemetry issues with its uh, most recent version when it was in beta testing uh, last year. And it's something that people don't like changing in, uh, in open source software because there's a feeling that the developer should produce the software and then basically leave it to the community to look after the software. And, you know, selling open source software to, to buy is, is kind of frowned upon, isn't it? Yeah, I think the whole open source area is quite complex. And I think it comes up between there's businesses that provide open source software and then there's users who use the software. And those two segments come at it from different perspectives so from the the business's point of view although they're providing the software open source which means that you can view the source code what they generally try to do is add some kind of value somewhere so they can make a business out of it you know so they can charge for i don't know selling software services somewhere or those kind of things support uh, but yeah but users see it as more of a ideological stance it's meant to be part of the community. It's meant to be privacy focused. It's meant to be free. But these are quite a lot of asks. And if you were to then reverse it, what you're essentially asking the business to do is work for free. And that's really hard. And, you know, I'm, I sit on both sides. I really value privacy and the open source community and what's been developed for it. But equally, I understand people can't just work for free. You know, there has to be some element that they're able to monetize their business in some way but i think these two things often butt up against each other in open source circles which leads to situations like this audacity um predicament yeah so back uh, early in april uh, early in july beg your pardon audacity uh, announced that um, well basically changed its uh, desktop privacy notice for the new section uh that uh, was highlighted by foss post a uh, independent publication and they wanted to uh, highlight that it was possibly spyware um the information that audacity began collecting was computers os name and version the user country based on the ip address the cpu non-fatal error codes and messages and crash reports in breakpad mini dump format and audacity also says that it may collect data necessary for law enforcement litigation and authorities requests if any are received um i mean in one hand, it seems quite vague, but on the other hand, that um, also may be a bit sinister. But um, you know, as James says, these kind of uh, requirements are necessary for software to develop. Now, a few days later, um, there was a bit of a, uh, I mean, that caused the backlash. And a few days later, Audacity was forced to deny that it was spying on users and that the mistake was all due to quote unquote unclear phrasing which seems a bit of a uh, maybe imprecise i don't know maybe uh you know if you're going to buy a piece of software then change the policies maybe you should be ensuring that the 
phrasing is not unclear. Yeah, I think there's two things here. The first is that, that although probably the intent behind the FOSS Post uh, article was well-intentioned, I think labelling the software as spyware is a bit hysterical, really, yep. when you look at the the type of data that's being collected. I mean, we've got some quite benign data, like your computer software, what country you're in, the type of CPU you're running, and error codes. Now, there's not much there. I mean, yes, it's linking data to you, but in the grand scheme of things, it's quite benign. Nothing really says much about you beyond you run a computer and you're in a country. Now, I think the the mistake here was obviously not telling people ahead of time that they were going to do this. So instead of telling people on their website or something like that, oh, by the way, we're thinking of updating our privacy policy because we're now trying to collect this data, usage data. They just sort of quietly did it, which led to someone discovering it. It then gets labeled spyware and there's a big panic. And it's sort of a, a bit of a mess, really. And it could have been avoided just by some clear communication at the start from the company. And I think that's that's where the mistake has come in, because then it's hard to get to the bottom of exactly why it happened. You start questioning why were they secretive about it? And then, uh, as our news article points out um, in the statement, they also said that the software may collect data necessary for law enforcement, litigation and authorities requests. Now, when you start putting all those things together, so you've got a surprise privacy policy update, they're now going to collect data on you. Right. And there's some vague wording about law enforcement. It starts to make people panic. But, you know, in a more rational sense, what data are they going to be collecting about your use of an audio software that's going to be necessary for law enforcement? So realistically, this sounds more like some legalese that creeped in from the parent company. There was probably like some lawyer said, OK, this is what needs to go in your privacy policy. Copy and paste it from the main one. Go into the audacity one. There you go. Job done. And it probably doesn't really mean anything. But now there's doubt is in people's minds yep. that they might be collecting additional data. So, again, communication would have been the key here, because I really doubt like I can't imagine what they could be collecting that's going to be useful to law enforcement about your use of audacity, which is just audio editing software, you know, unless they're tracking like what you're editing in it. But that seems highly improbable. So, yeah. you know, um, so. To respond to this, Audacity's um, big band Muse Group's Daniel Ray, who's head of strategy there, um, attempted to clear the air in a post on GitHub, saying, we do understand that unclear phrasing of the privacy policy and lack of context regarding introduction has led to major concerns about how we use and store the very limited data we collect. And he states it's very limited. And in, I mean, I, reading through that list, it just seemed like what most websites collect. So there's very little there of any danger i think people need to probably have some perspective around their various um risk analysis of data as well because even the most ardent open source user who only runs linux runs all free and open source stuff i find it very hard to believe that all of those people have had absolutely no interaction with, say, Google or Facebook or any of those companies, which are incredibly data hungry, create private profiles about you that are inaccessible and are used to target loads of different stuff at you. And that's not through any fault of their own. You know, those things are really hard to avoid. 
but it's about having a sense of perspective you know if google already knows tons of stuff about you and audacity says we want to know your location like is that really that much of a cause for concern it has turned into a bit of a pr fail for audacity uh, mm. insofar as you know people are dissatisfied with that and virtually every website on the internet has published or republished uh, a list of alternatives to audacity <laughs> Uh, clearly people are looking for that now if you're using an older version of audacity none of this will apply to you uh for instance i'm using 2.4.2 so you know the whole thing about audacity not working this morning clearly a purely a coincidence because none of this stuff uh, applies until version 3.0.3 3, uh which is i believe is available now but you need to update to it to in order to enjoy the uh pleasures of telemetry now the thing is, this isn't the first time we've had telemetry issues. I mentioned uh, Ubuntu earlier on. There's a whole side of Windows 10 about telemetry, isn't there, James? Yeah, I wrote about this a few years ago, actually. Um, so this is where it gets a little bit more complex. When you're talking about open source software, there's some level of trade-off that I think you have to be willing to make to say, we want a good software experience so that people will use it. You know, the whole reason people are interested in invested in Linux is because they genuinely believe it's a good alternative to Windows, for example. But when Windows is already the default, people are very less inclined to accept loads of data capture from a big business that's interested in generating profits. You know, maybe they accept Ubuntu capturing some data to make the software experience better so that more people can use Linux. That's good. But when Windows, which is always the market, already the market leader, says, oh, we want to capture tons of data about you and we're going to make it very hard for you to opt out, uh, that's where it becomes a bit of an issue. So with the release of Windows 10, for the first time, Microsoft made it so that they pretty much encouraged and almost mandated that you had to link your Microsoft account to Windows. Now, there were ways around it, but the... The uh, default software experience was you set up the computer and it says sign into your Microsoft account and they make it very difficult for you to to navigate the menus to opt out of that stuff. So then the reason they wanted to do that was because they wanted to link data they capture through Windows to your account so that they can create a nice little data profile. And this is kind of what I was saying about Google and Facebook, for example, they create huge profiles of you. They're not just using it to improve the software. They want to know about you specifically. And that's why it's different to what we were just talking about with Audacity. So back in 2017, now there may have been changes since then. I, I can't say that I've paid big close attention. But in 2017, so not long after the launch of Windows 10, they Microsoft broke down the data collection into nine categories. So you had common data, then device connectivity and configuration, product and service usage, product and service performance, software setup and inventory, content consumption, browsing, search, and query, inking, typing, and speech utterance, and licensing and purchase. So you can see that there's actually quite a lot of information that they're capturing about you. And most of what we talked about with Audacity and other open source software falls under just one category really, which is product and service usage data. And that's to try and improve the software that you're using. The rest of this stuff, I mean, things like your browsing and search history or your inking, typing, and speech content, those are very clearly personal data that is related to how you are using and interacting with other services, not just how you're using the software, but the information that you're actually generating in them. And that's where it becomes quite um, 
controversial, I suppose. So I've got an article on makeuseof.com that goes through all the various different categories and all the information that uh, they capture. And there are ways to opt out. Um, but as we've heard in the recent weeks, with the launch of Windows 11, it looks like they might be even transitioning to an even harder, almost mandatory uh, linking of your Windows Microsoft account to Windows 11 in the future. So it's going to be even harder to opt out of this stuff. Um, but for now, if you're on Windows 10, you do have a guide on what's being collected and how to opt out of it. And we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that the really useful podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts. We're hosted at Transistor.fm, so you can find us there as well. We're also on YouTube and, of course, on MakeUseOf.com. Now, however you subscribe to the really useful podcast and listen to us, it would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights. You'll find the link to our Apple Podcast page in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I think that Windows 11 reference is kind of important because, you know, that's coming along. And if you're using Windows, you and your system is compatible because it uh, turns out quite a few at this stage uh, when Windows 10 systems probably won't be compatible. You're going to be getting Windows 11 whether you like it or not. So you have the option of accepting Windows 11 and that big kind of, uh, let's call it a shopping list of telemetry and various other uh, similar privacy uh, bending things or sticking with Windows 10 for as long as possible, or switching to a completely different operating system. And most people are going to want to, let's say, avoid the hassle of using a different operating system and stick with Windows 11. I, I'm i not completely au fait with the information that Chrome OS collects on you, but given that it's uh, owned and managed by Google, I can't imagine it being uh, the best alternative to Windows 11. No, if anything, I would imagine that it would be even more intense data tracking. Yeah. Um, not least because at least Microsoft's business model is a hybrid of loads of different things. Google's business model is literally just selling ads predominantly. Yeah. So their whole reason for existing is to collect data on you. They create software so they can collect data on you. They create the search product, the email, everything else is all designed to collect data to more accurately target ads it's um going back re rewinding a few years in the um the nascent days of the world wide web you would go onto a website and you might see you might say go onto yahoo and you say and you use the search bar and you say see the little words powered by google and you think what a lovely helpful service google is it helps you find the things that you're looking for on the internet, if you don't know what the URL is, you can just search for it. You know, I, I, I spent an inordinate amount of time looking for websites based around the adventures of a fictional character with a police box. Um, but regardless, <laughs> you know, the results would come in and, you know, it's a helpful little service. 20-ish years later, it's 
I mean, I know it's not that long, but, you know, getting on for that. It's now this international advertising agency, basically, isn't it? It's quite astonishing. Mm. You know, all the other strings to its bow, operating systems, mobile operating systems, uh, you know, office software for the browser, mail software, all of those things have the purpose of finding information about you in order to display the right adverts to you. It's it's bizarre, the development of don't be evil, quote unquote, to uh, here's some minority report style advertising. Mm. And the other thing is that they very cleverly positioned it by becoming the market leader in search and then starting on the dominance in ads. But everything they do pretty much is free. So if you don't want to or you can't afford to pay for all these alternatives, then Google is your only option and they know that and they benefit from it you know so it's a it's a clever business model but it's not um got the users in in the forefront really yeah i'm trying to think of a uh, comparative offline example that would have predated google but i can't really think of one beyond maybe the provision of uh utilities water and electricity and gas beyond beyond those i can't really think of anything that comes close and that they're, they're very different but this is the provision of something that you definitely need that maybe should mm. be and is so cheap perhaps that it appears to be free but actually it isn't and it makes it makes them a lot of money those are the only things i can kind of think of that come anywhere close to it it is it is kind of a, a new business model of for the internet age and one also one that survived that uh the, the, there's been kind of two bubbles of, in, uh, in, of uh, internet businesses in the late 90s and then uh, in the late 2000s. And Google survived both of those. I mean, it was well in, insulated by the late 2000s anyway. So it wasn't likely to suffer too much. But yeah, so winding back to Audacity, I mean, I'm kind of, I don't necessarily want to say stop using Audacity, but should you decide that you might want to stop using Audacity, there are some alternatives. Uh, there is uh, Ocean Audio, which I think is how you pronounce it, unless, if it, unless it's Oaken Audio. Easy, either way, um, that is a tiny, lightweight, and fast audio editor, and it's free. There's also Wavasaw, which or Wavasaw, which is a multiple document has a multiple document interface, which means you can switch between multiple projects in the same window, which is really useful. And there's AV Audio Editor, which is an Audacity alternative that's also something of a hybrid between Oaken, Osin Audio, and Wavasaw. There is the AV Audio Editor for Windows. There is WavePad, Adobe Audition, which I've already mentioned, which is of these, it's the only one I've used. And it is kind of, it's, when something like this comes around with Audacity, I kind of think to myself, maybe now is the time to actually switch to Adobe Audition. Except for the fact that it's really expensive because you're paying for that mm. um, Adobe subscription, which, although attractive, you know, you, in UK terms, it's like £20 a month often for just one piece of software, which, yeah. which isn't ideal. And then I should mention that on Mac, um, if you were using Audacity, it Macs actually come with GarageBand uh, for yes. free, which is Apple's sort of uh, digital workstation. And although it's kind of more set up for music recording, it is suitable for all kinds of audio editing as well. And 
although it's proprietary, uh, it is free for Mac users. Yeah, and there's no messing around with having to. Uh, is it does it is it pre-installed on Mac OS still? It's not always pre-installed, um, but you can just open the App Store and install yeah. it. Just install it. There's a, there's another alternative yeah. as well, which is called uh, Arda, which is a high-quality audio app alternative as well. As I say, I've used Audition in a radio station capacity, and I found it pretty easy to get started using. This is the, the takeaway, isn't it? Or the trade-off, I beg your pardon, because you, you have free and open-source software that is you, you, you've gained trust with and then suddenly this thing happens uh, with the telemetry and the software being purchased by a, a new publisher and you think well maybe if i'm going to be using software under those circumstances for free and maybe not be that sure about the direction of it now maybe i'd be happier paying for software mm. it depends on your circumstances of course there is just one other aspect to all of this and it's kind of unfortunate. We'll kind of end on this, though. I've learned today that a, the, the developer of a fork of Audacity has found that the best alternative to his action of continuing this is to quit it, even just a few days into it, because he's, been, um, he's faced some bad response from 4chan and some other online groups for the choice of name, just the choice of name. So what was it called? This developer decided to call his version of Audacity, his fork of Audacity, he was going to call it Tenacity. Um, but this followed a online poll where a different name became successful because it had been kind of hijacked by 4chan and they wanted to give it a really stupid name. And he thought to himself, no, I'm not going to call that. Let's just call it this because it kind of represents what it is and we'll get on with it and develop, a, um, develop it. But then he decided to just give it up. I really thought long about this, he says, and I haven't slept in two days due to ongoing harassments of 4chan. As the first people were literally arriving at my place of living, where they knocked on my doors and windows to scare us, I am hereby officially stepping down as a maintainer of this project. The safety of my family is worth more than an open source project. They found out my address via a YouTube video where someone was posting my nickname combined with my real legal name, the incident happened shortly after 11 CEST, which is uh, 9 o'clock UTC, and the police took over the case. And um, yeah, it, it's purely a disagreement over the project's proposed name. That is awful. That's terrible behaviour. I wrote an article a while ago. This is a this is a um, a tactic known as doxing, where yeah. you purposefully release people's personal information to threaten them, to make them scared, to get them to change their thoughts or opinions on something or you know in some cases to intentionally physically harm them i mean the idea that something as benign as all of this has resulted in someone being physically intimidated in their own home over a name is just frankly disgusting and i can absolutely appreciate why he would step down and just abandon the whole thing but then the unfortunate thing is that is exactly what the purpose of it was but I mean, what can you do? You know, as he said, his safety and the fam- his safety of his family has to come first. But you yeah. know, the 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 effectively the bullies win, which is unfortunate. The name that the um, that apparently won the poll, it was apparently influenced by Fortune the poll. So um, Fortune uses it was 
Sneedacity, a reference to a throwaway Simpsons gag in which a star is signposted, Sneeds, Feed and Seed, formerly Chucks. Um, you know, I mean, this is basically, not only is this really bad for this guy and for anyone who's interested in using this new uh, fork of Audacity, it's a, oh, I'm really close to losing my cool in swearing, but it's a really stupid childish joke. And not only has it got completely out of hand, it's just a stupid childish joke. It's, mm. it's, it's no, what effort? I, I, I just cannot see the, you know, why anyone would put that much effort into having their own way over something so trivial and stupid. And it's not like the proposed name that he, that the developer came up with was bad. You know, so if it was a bad okay. name, then maybe I can understand people getting wound up, but like, tenacity is fine and it sounds like audacity so it's quite clear yep. you know it's it gives you an easy way to link the two projects know that they're both open source they're probably forks of each other you know like um other open source forks that are very closely linked to their names like uh so bitcoin is also open source and then when that forked for one of the most notable times a few years ago it became bitcoin cash yep. and they kind of like it's the same name but slightly different and that's fine and it makes it clear the lineage of where it came from. So I don't really see why. I don't think there's any issue with the tenacity name as much as just people online like to be awful to other people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably is that, which is a bit of a sad note to end on. Well, <laughs> well or I could have used. That sounds a bit like um, the Cape Fear stuff that they use in The Simpsons, actually. <laughs> what were you going to share with us? Uh, I, I can't remember now. Oh, yeah, it was just to one final point on the Audacity thing. I think the reason that this has become so difficult is that Audacity has been around since 1999. That was yeah. when the first developers started working on it. So its first release was in the year 2000. And it's good software. It's free. It's open source. Those are all good things. But I think the reason that some people have found themselves, like you're talking about, moving possibly to other alternatives now, is that if you fired up Audacity, it felt like something that was from 2005. Yeah. And yeah, it worked, but it's not the kind of experience that we're used to from modern software now. And I think that's where something like the irony of the whole situation is that's kind of the thing that telemetry is meant to help them improve yeah, yeah. Um, but then but then all this controversy by the way that they've released this information has made people go oh actually you know what there are probably more modern ways of doing this now you know like like i said on mac you just have to fire up GarageBand, and like it's a fully comprehensive very easy to use bit of software and so are some of the other alternatives and so all it's really done is if they played it a different way, if they'd been clearer in the way they communicated things, they could have said, we know the interface is a bit dated, but we're going to make it better. And here's how. And then you probably would have kept people on side. But, you know, yeah, it's just a shame that communication would have been the key thing here. And then it's always just ironic to see that the things that they're trying to do probably is to improve the software. But by the way they've announced it, it's made people realise, oh, actually, this is there are there are better choices for me now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, strange how um, 
a small like purchasing a business or purchasing some software and then you know, speaking to your legal team and having these new legal changes made to it how it can snowball and it's such a strange collection of events from people choosing new software to uh, people behaving like children elsewhere and uh, us recording a podcast <laughs> everything we've discussed in this week's show you will find in the show notes so uh, head down there and click away to your heart's content we'll be back for a new really useful podcast next week until then it's goodbye goodbye